So I have a word for you guys today. It's going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 6 through 10. If you guys have your Bibles, please flip there. If you guys have your smartphones, please click there. And the title of my word today is Work Your Weakness. Work Your Weakness. So 2 Corinthians 12, 6 through 10. And this is Paul's writing. And he says, verse 6, it says, Though if I should wish to boast... I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I may, con I may content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Bow your heads and join me in prayer. Father God, thank you for this day, Father God. Thank you for this service, Father God. Thank you that this service is history in the making, Father God. Thank you that your spirit is here and we got to worship you in one mind and one accord, Father God. Father God, I ask that you decrease me, Father God, so you will be increased, Father God. And help everyone, Father God, remember, Father God, and get something from this message, whether it be for today, Father God, may, maybe a month from now, a year from now, Father God, further down the road, Father God. But let it resonate in our souls, Father God. Thank you for downloading into me, Father God, so I hope that you download from heaven from them, Father God. In your name, amen. Again, my title is called Work Your Weakness. And God gave our church a word, and everyone knows what that word is? Thank you for the people in the back, for the right side. Thank you, guys, right? The, <laughs> right? But our, um, God gave our, our church a word in the beginning of the year, and the word is elevate. And Pastor, last week, he um, described elevating, you know, taking yourself from one thing to another, or becoming from one place to another, or transitioning from one thing to another. But I really want to look at the word becoming. Because when we really break it down, it can be broken down in one simple, pra in one simple phrase, right? The only thing more important than who you are today is who you're becoming tomorrow. And we all know that's true. Amen? We all know that's true. We choose a life of progression and not perfection because that's what it is, right? It's not a walk where we're like, oh, well, I have to stay in the rules. I have to be by God, right? I have to do this or I'm going, you know, straight to hell. But this is a life of progression. We're always learning. We're always evolving. We're always becoming more, uh, more closer to God. And since we're declaring that, you know, we're becoming, we're still in a state of elevating, we're still in a state of transition, we're all declaring that we haven't arrived yet. Amen. No one in this place has arrived yet. I haven't arrived yet. You know, you, it doesn't matter how farther along you are in faith. It doesn't matter how close you are in faith. No one has arrived yet. And that's why I love online shopping. Who likes online shopping here? I love online shopping, right? I, I, me especially. That's all I do. It's all my wife does. We know Mickey right here. He's the king of Amazon in here, right? <laughs> he loves online shopping, but it's so easy. It's so convenient, right? We just literally buy it. We get an email. It tells us when it's delivered. It tells us when it's in transit. And it tells us when, we, when it's, um, sorry, when it's packaged, delivered, and then uh, or transit and delivered, right? We all know those things. But when we really look at it, 
I love the word transit. Why? Because that's what our Christian walk is, right? 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on the cross. He bought us with the price, just like how we buy the package, right? You know, we are still in transit. We haven't been delivered and we're not delivered yet because we have not yet died. I know it sounds kind of bleak and gruesome, but it's true. But when we really think about it, it's really uplifting. It really like, you know, pumps me up because it, it doesn't matter what I'm going through. It doesn't matter what my weakness is. It doesn't matter what I'm going through. You know, I'm still becoming, I'm still in transit. I have not been delivered. Amen. Amen. So someone say, work your weakness. Let's say it together. Work your weakness, right? Because we all have a thorn in our flesh. Now, before I really start, you know, teaching you guys and preaching to you guys, I really want to give some background to it because me, I really like to know what's going on. I mean, some services we've been in where it's like, okay, here's the scripture, this, this, and that. And I was like, well, what's going on? What's the context? How can it relate to me? Right? So I'm really break it down for you guys. So we're really studying the apostle Paul here today. And that's in 2 Corinthians, and that's what our study is, chapter 12 today. And this is his second letter to the church of Corinth. So the, he established this um, church in Corinthians, and that's where 1 Corinthians comes from. And in 2 Corinthians, we see that in history that he's over, you know, taking journeys. He's um, establishing churches. He's over here, you know, doing different things, performing miracles. I mean, we've, we've all read the Gospels. We know all the accomplishments he's done. I mean, he's re- wrote the rest of the book, right? So we know these things. So when we come to 2 Corinthians, we see that, you know, the first church that he started, they, they're really kind of getting proud. They're kind of getting um, boastful. They're kind of getting like, okay, well, we're the first ones, you know, we're really important. So the people that he had established there were kind of like, well, we don't need Paul because he's been gone for a year and a half. Like, you know, he's literally just sending letters like, oh, you, how are you guys doing? Basically, that's what every letter is, right? You know, oh, I'm praying for you guys. You know, like, you guys, how are you guys doing? Remember, don't follow false teachers. That's exactly what Paul's letters are. So we get to the second, second Corinthians, and we start to see that in second Corinthians, you know, he has to start defending himself. Well, why is he defending himself? Because those teachers that he put in place are really trying to take over Paul's practice. They start kind of spreading lies about him. They're saying that, you know, like, Paul's not a good teacher. You know, like, all he does is write to us. He's never here, so why should we listen to him? You know, he's over here just for money. He's establishing churches for money. Every time he gets in prison, he's like, hey, bro, can you send me some money? Can you send me some prayer, right? Like, that's every time. So they really start spreading lies about him. They're all like, well, I mean, I don't even know if he can teach, right? Because all we get from him is letters. So I don't even know if he can teach. So that's all we really start seeing about Paul. So in chapter 11 and chapter 12, we really see Paul, he's really starting to defend himself, but he does it in like a sarcastic way. He's really like, I don't want to do this, but I guess I have to because you guys are I don't want to say idiots, but you guys are dumb and you guys are following false teachers, right? So he's literally like, all right, I've done this, I've done this, I healed this man, you know, I've done this, this, that, that, this, this, and this. And then when we get to chapter 12, literally the first five, uh, the first, um, five verses is when he keeps going. And then he's like, oh, verse seven, I'm bored. You know, I'm done talking about myself. Why do I have to sit here and defend myself to you guys? I'm going to start boasting about my weakness. I'm going to start giving um, approval to my weaknesses. So he starts boasting about his weaknesses. He's like, yeah, you know, I used to be a killer. I used to be this. You know, I'm not the best writer. You know, I have been locked up many times and I need money. Like, you know, he just starts going off on this over and over again. Because why? 
because it's more impressive that God, impressive that God has used someone who's broken. It's more impressive that someone that God has used who's been in those situations and God still uses him. And to me, that's very encouraging. And to us, it should be very encouraging because a lot of times in the church, you know, we, we, we get scared to get exposed, right? We are scared to show our weaknesses. We're scared to be out there. And that's what Paul's thorn is. And when we think about it, it's like, well, what was Paul's thorn, right? What was his thorn? Well, no one knows. I mean, theologians and people in ministry like to, you know, kind of like think about it and like, well, was it physical? Because in chapter 11, literally he talks about like, you know, I was shipwrecked. You know, he was beaten by the Gentiles with rods. He was whipped, with by, whipped by the Jews with 39 lashes. You know, he was just going through all these things. And a lot of people think, in, I mean, Galatians chapter 6, it says, like, you know, um, his eyes. He, he says, look at what big letters I'm writing to you in. So a lot of people are really, um, really confused about it. Some people think that it was psychological. Because we all know that Paul, before he was Paul, he was Saul. And how he used to kill people, how he used to persecute Christians. So we don't know what it is. But to me, I really, really think that it's merciful and it's graceful that we don't know what it is. Why? Because we would pay more attention to what his thorn was than what the point of his thorn was. And a lot of us, we skip over that. We think, oh, he has a thorn. He has a weakness. Cool. I have one too. What is it? Like, you know, but the point, it's not the thorn. It's not the weakness. It's not that it's there. The point is the purpose of the thorn. And we all forget that. We all have a thorn in our flesh. And a better way of saying it right is we all have weaknesses. And a lot of us, like I said earlier, right, we tend to hide those. And because why? Because we don't want to be exposed. I remember, <laughs> I'm going to be real hot with you guys, honest with you guys. I remember in uh, football, uh, horrible story, man, <laughs> football. Uh, all right, so one time in practice, right, I was wide receiver, and we just had the Super Bowl. So if you guys don't know, those are the people that catch the ball from the quarterbacks, right? So I was a wide receiver in my second year of college. Second year of college, I was more focused on speed rather than strength. First year, I was focused on strength because I was like, going to college, I'm facing real men. i got to get jacked, right? You know, that's what I was thinking. And no one, everyone there was just focused on speed. I mean, we see now the fastest people are in the NFL, right? So I, uh, second year, you know, I went down from 200 pounds to 180. I was quick. I was fast. I was over here in one-on-ones. I was like, Ugh. you know, I was moving. I was getting catching ball in one hand. I was thinking I was good, right? Till this one guy called me out, and his, dude, his name was Kofi. Now, just hearing that name, you knew he was, this, he was a man, man. He was just a man. He was, he, he was buff, man. He was walking around. He had to turn this way. And turn, he couldn't even turn his neck, how buff he was. But... I line up against him, right, and I hit a move and I get around him. I'm thinking like, oh, it's going to be an easy touchdown. Let me just tell you, he, not two hands, one, didn't even turn his body, one hand, and I flew across the field. <laughs> Off, I flew across the field. I just flew across. And the craziest thing was like, yeah, you know, everyone was watching because it's one-on-one, -on -one, so all eyes are on you. But that wasn't the worst part. The worst part is that it was on film. It was on film. So every single day that week during practice, oh my gosh, replay, replay, replay. They were like, all right, don't do like this. Like, you know, if you get around him, you better get skin. I was like, why am I the example, right? Why, why am I getting picked on, right? But I felt so exposed in that moment. I was, and literally, it, it followed me through the, to the season. 
Literally, anytime someone would come up and press me who I think that was better than me, I would literally switch with another receiver or someone else to go on the opposite side of the field, and I would run from it. And a lot of times, you know, that affects us in the future because nothing that is hidden can be healed. Nothing is hidden and healed. And a lot of times, that's what most... I mean, we've all been in other churches before we found our home church, but a lot of times... That's what churches and some churches teach us the most is to hide because we get judged for our weakness, because we get judged for the thorn in our flesh. And we really don't talk about this in church, but we really need to talk about vulnerability. And that's something that's, like I said, really not talked about in church. And a better illustration about talking about vulnerability is literally it's like, oh, here, you know, I have a loaded gun, but I'm telling you a secret. Right. And I, I expect you not to shoot me. That's exactly what vulnerability is. It's you're putting power in the listener's hands. It's like I'm coming to you and I'm telling you, you know, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm doing. And I'm expecting you not to go home and talk about it with your wife or with your husband or with your kids. That's exactly what it is. And with me personally, I mean, I believe, honestly, everyone, of course, you know, we need God. Of course, we need God to talk to about our weaknesses. But me personally, I believe that we should also have someone in faith that we should talk to. And with me, my person I'm most vulnerable with is my wife. She knows all my secrets. She knows all my dirt. I mean, technically she does, let me tell you. We've been through a lot together and she knows all of it. She knows a lot of stuff that you guys don't know, even my parents don't know. But that's the person I talk to. And I just shared the illustration about like, you know, it's like handing someone a gun. Well, she doesn't have a gun. She has a closet full of nukes. Let me just tell you, she has a closet full of nukes. And sometimes when we fight, they come out and I get bombed and it's World War III. Let me just tell you guys that, right? But we need to learn how to expose it because nothing can get healed that's hidden. Nothing can get healed that's winning. Can somebody say work your weakness? Work your weakness. So I'm gonna give you guys three points of how we, what, or how we can work our weakness, how we can be content in our weakness. And the first point is unanswered prayers are not unmet needs. Unanswered prayers are not unmet needs. I, when I was thinking about this, and I even thought about this in my life, I really think it's funny because anyone in a church setting or when you're talking to a fellow believer, when we pray, we always are like, when we're in front of other people, we always pray God's will, or we always want God's will in our life, right? We always say, you know, I want God's will for my life. You know, whatever pastor, whatever God wants for me in my life, right? That's what we all say in person. But when we get behind closed doors, when we really pray, we really pray our will into our lives, right? We, we all do it. And a simple, a little, a little simple phrase, how you know 100% out of, without a sinner or without a um, uncertainty or like a hundred percent fact is God if prayers. We've all prayed them. God if. You know, God, if you bless me, you know, then I can serve you better. Oh God, if you give me this job, then I can be generous in the church. Then I can tithe. Right? God, if you would just heal me of this illness, then I can get up and praise you. Right? God, if you finally just give me my dreams then I can show you off to the world. Then I'll, I'll be open, right? God, if you give me kids, then I can be whole. God, if you let this relationship last, then I'll be complete. But if we really look, 1 John chapter 5, 14, John says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, whose will? 
his will, right? He will hear us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. And if we know that if we pray his will, it will be happened. That's the thing like we, we don't understand and we don't really get as Christians, as believers, is that we always pray our will, our will. We always want what's right for us. We always want what we think is best. And a lot of times we think that God doesn't answer us. A lot of times we think that God doesn't hear us. Why? Because we're praying our will. We're not praying his, his will. I mean, literally it says in verse 7 and 9 uh, of Corinthians that literally Paul asked three different times. Three different times Paul prayed. He was like, God, man, you know, I really want this thorn taken away from me. I really want this to be effective for you. Three different times. Three different times he says it. And we'll go back to verse 7 and 9 in, in, in uh, Corinthians. And it says, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Did y'all, did y'all catch that? Did you guys notice that? It said that a thorn was given to Paul. He didn't want it. He didn't ask for it. He was given. And a lot of us, we have weaknesses, right? We all have weaknesses. We all have thorns in our flesh. We all have shortcomings. We all have those things. And a lot of times we don't ask for it. Sometimes it's given to us from other people. Sometimes it's given to us through our own doing, right? But we all have those. But one thing I really like that it really says is that a messenger of Satan was sent to harass me. Now, some of you might be thinking, Austin, why are you trying to give devil a glory? I don't want to give devil no glory. I don't want to give Satan. Why are you talking about Satan? Right? A lot of us think that, but I really, I, oh, I really like it because, you know, it just shows me personally, and this, it gets me hyped. I'm already pacing back and forth, but it gets me hyped because it just shows that God is so powerful. God is so mighty. God is so amazing that he can literally use Satan to produce his will in our lives. Look at Job. Look at the life of Job. Job, uh, devil was like, oh, hey, hey, you know, I bet you if I go down there and mess with Job and take everything away from him, he's not going to serve you anymore. Jesus or and God was like, all right, bet. Right? He's like, pull up. Let's go. Right? He was literally said like, all right, you go ahead and do it. Look at Joseph, right? The very end of, of what Joseph said to his brothers, everything that you thought you were going to do, that Satan put you up to, God did it for good. He turned it around for our good. All right. And that's why I get so hyped about it. And that's why I get so amazing about it, because, you know, it is, you know, unmet, unanswered prayers are not unmet needs. Sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers because it's not what our will for our life is or it's not his will for our lives. Right. And I can give you personal examples. I mean, before we moved up here. Right. Um, you guys don't know, but um, we were we were living with um, Dominique's, uh, Dominique's mother at the time. And it was just it wasn't a nice situation. Right. It was a nice situation. And I was praying, God, man, I, I literally went through three different jobs trying to make enough literally just to just to just to find a place to move every single time. Wasn't, you know, I had the job for a little bit, messed up my, you know, messed up the family dynamic, had another job, didn't didn't do didn't do. And I was praying to God. I was like, God, please, like, you know, like, you know, I need this. You know, I, I you know, I need you to answer. Literally, 
the week, no joke, the week we're supposed to get out, nothing, you know, no job. Well, I, I, I got a job. I had a job, but, you know, it wasn't enough. You know, it wasn't enough, but I was thankful for it. But the week of, you know, we were looking, I couldn't find anything, nothing. It was just silent, no place to move, nothing like that. We talked to my parents and you know, guys know, like it's hard to find houses, right? It's, I mean, y'all who've been in the approval process of renting or owning a house, it's hard to find, right? Um, the realtors, they take forever, forever. Literally within a week, we got approved for the house. We were able to move in and God supplied me with a job up here and gave me a position higher than what I already was. I started as a team member, but then God or, uh, um, um, got in two months. Literally, I've only been at this place for two months. It's Poke Bar next to uh, Riverside. Uh, <laughs> Riverside. But I've only been there two months, or I was there two months, and God already pre um, promoted me to assistant manager. God, thank you for, uh, you know, not meeting my, or answering my prayer, but meeting my need. And you guys all know it in your lives, and you guys see it in your lives. I mean, we've prayed for jobs. We've prayed for houses. We've prayed for things. We've prayed for relationships, right? All to, for God to say that that's not my will in your life. I have something better, right? We've played for, we prayed for clarity in 2019. We prayed for breakthrough, but God was setting it up in 2020, Right? You might have silence right this year. You might have silence in 2020, but God has something greater for you in 2021, right? And, that, that's, and that's why it gets me so pumped, and that's why. Because God was like, no, Paul, you don't understand what I'm doing. You don't understand. I know you want this taken away, but, but I, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is enough for you. You know, God didn't stay silent. And that's what a lot of things that we, we think is like God is not talking to us. We always pray and we always think like, oh, you know, God didn't answer this prayer. You know, he, he's obviously not talking to me about this. But God is always answering. God is always talking. Literally the, with Paul, he, right? He pray, prayed how many times? Three. Three times, right? Three times he prayed and God answered him. God literally said like, no, you know, um, I'm gonna answer your prayer, but I'm not gonna meet your need. Like, uh, nah, bro, like, you, you don't know what's going on. Why? Because God is attracted to our weakness. God gravitates towards weakness. God is attracted to our struggle, right? That's where he does his finest work. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 30, or 31, I believe. No, it's not up there, it's fine, I'll read it. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through, through 31. It said, this is Paul again. It says, Paul says, for considering your, your calling, brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world um, to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became, uh, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that it is written, let no one who boasts, oh, sorry, let the one who boasts, boast in who? Boast in the Lord, boast in Christ, amen? God doesn't need your strength. Newsflash, God doesn't need your strength. God doesn't need you to be strong. He needs our surrender. He needs our availability. He needs our obedience. 
Someone say, work your weakness, amen? Work your weakness. Point two, God's grace fills the space. God's grace fills the space. We live in a very interesting time nowadays, right? I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing, but it's very interesting, right? The amount of technology we have, the amount of infrastructure we have. I mean, I love indoor plumbing. I mean, I don't know if you guys want to go back out to an outhouse and poop, right? But, <laughs> but I love it. But with these new times, we also have new struggles that we've never faced before. Never. I mean, never in a million years. I mean, who would have thought after? I mean, the world, we literally thought the world was going to end in 2000, right? Y2K. That's right. I mean, I remember that. I was 1996. I have a, a little history under my belt. No, but right. But right. <laughs> but we, we all, we all, we... We have so much things, right? We literally have now, we have wars that are fought online through the internet, right? We have, um, our military fly, can be sitting right here and fly a drone, uh, a drone across the world, right? We have those things. But with the internet, with Instagram, with Facebook, with all these things, we also come with new struggles. And those new struggles are comparing everything. We always compare, right? We compare with people we don't even know. Like literally, there might be someone in your life right now. I mean, we all have that someone in our life where we see online and we think that they're so much more spiritual. Or we think that they're closer to God. Or we think that they speak more to God and we can't. Right? We all think that. I mean, for all those people that are married in here or who have been married in here, right? We see those couples on Instagram and they have the perfect life. Right? You know, especially people in the church, right? Especially pastors, right? We always think like they're a Proverbs 31 woman, right? That's what we always think, right? We think that she's like, oh, I'm just, she what? Ephesians 5, right? She's just submitting all over that house. She's like, yes, yes, right, right? We see the husband, right? We think that he loves, yo, he must love her. Like, like God loves the church, like Christ loves the church, right? That's what we always think, right? The parents out here, right? Most of us are parents or not all of us. Right? We always think like, oh, I bet you those kids weren't demon-possessed. Right? <laughs> I bet you they listen, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. Right? They have perfect meals. They have all this. Right? But we see people with jobs. Right? With jobs. We can go with jobs for, you know, everyone else. Right? <laughs> we see people with jobs like, oh, I bet you they felt, never felt like quitting. You know, I, I, I bet you... You know, they're never getting in trouble with their boss. I bet you they're just like number one employee of the month every month, right? That's, but that's what we think, right? That's what we always think. Every time, every time we compare ourselves. And most of the time it's with people we don't know, right? Instagram, what? We have followers, right? We post stuff for what? Those followers. Facebook, we ha might have friends but or family, but that family on, on Facebook is so small. Who do we get more recommendations of? Friends of friends, right? And we compare ourselves to friends of friends. But every time, every time, without a shadow of a doubt, we compare ourselves to someone else, we always lose. We always lose. I mean, we know it personally. I know it personally. We always lose because we always feel like the gap between me and them is, is too great, right? We always feel like they got it better. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but we have to remember, we have to remember that God's grace fills the space. And that space that I'm talking about, that space is not my space between me and you. Me and you, me and you, me and you. Because 
as I always give the example to the youth, we all have different experiences with God. It doesn't matter if you guys are brothers. It doesn't matter if you're in the same family. You guys have different experiences. And how the example I used for that is literally we can all be, we've all, we all, and most of us watch the Super Bowl, right? Most of us watched it, right? We all have different experiences of it. You know, some of us might think that, you know, the 49ers lost that game. You know, they were up, they were up by 21 points, right? And then, they, and then the Chiefs came back. Other of us may think like, no, Patrick Mahomes is the GOAT. He's the next, right? That's what we might think. Chill, chill. No, right. I'm joking. <laughs> right? But that's what we might think. That's what we might think. Or whatever it is. An event, a car crash, right? How many stories come out on a car crash, right? That's why police officers have to go around and get every single eyewitness. Why? Because everyone has a different interpretation. And that's how we can look about our life with God. And that's how we can look about our walk with God, right? The gap between me and you, it doesn't matter because God doesn't fill that space. God fills the gap between my race and who he's going to call me to be. Where I'm at now and where he's calling me to be, that's totally different from where he's calling you to be. That's totally different than the uh, talents he gives you or you or you or the gifts he gives you or the weaknesses you have. God's grace fills that space. And when we stop looking to the left and when we stop looking to the right and we focus on the space that I'm in and where my finish line is and where my finish line is going to be, that's when we realize that God's grace fills that space. Literally, Paul, again, Paul saying three different times, God, please give this away. Please take it away. Take it away. I don't want it. I don't need it. God, I'm over here planning churches. I'm over here doing miracles. I'm over here, but I can be more effective. You know, I can walk a little faster, right? I can jump a little higher, right? I can do, I can see better, right? I don't have to have these like demons in my head anymore, right? We don't know what it was. We don't know what the thorn was, but literally verse nine, it says, God answers him. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made made perfect in your weakness. And when we really sit back and think it's like, well, sufficient, right? How can sufficient be used in 2020? Because I don't know if you guys walk around and be like, oh, no, that meal was sufficient. Right? I don't know. I don't know if you guys do that. Right? I don't. I don't. I don't. Other than reading the Bible, there's so many words that I don't use. But when you break it down and like, I was looking it up and I was like, well, okay, what's a, what's a, what does sufficient mean? Sufficient means adequate. Right? No, right? Adequate. It's like we still don't use that word, right? No one uses that. No one uses the word adequate, right? But when we break it down a little more, literally adequate means just the right amount. Just the right amount. So when we put it into contents, when we put it into the, into the verse, God literally says, my grace is just the right amount for your purpose. A lot of us don't like that, right? A lot of us, I mean, when I read it, I was like, ooh, just the right amount. God, I want that overflow. Where's that pressed down, shaking together, right? You know, like, where, where's all that, God? Like, that's what I was thinking. I was like, where, where is it at? But it's just, just the right amount. But when you really sit down and when you really think about it, it's perfect. It's just the right amount. It, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm struggling with, no matter what my weakness is, God's grace is just the right amount for me. That's why Hebrews, Hebrews says, you know, let me fix my eyes on Jesus, right? The author and perfecter and the finisher of my faith. Because why? Because his grace 
will fill that space, right? We're so tempted. We're all so tempted to look to the left and look to the right and try to be like someone else, try to idolize someone else, trying to think that their story is better than what we are. I mean, personal example for me, you know, I'm gonna be very hot with you guys, very honest with you guys. You know, when I first started teaching, Ryan can attest to this, when I first started teaching youth, oh my God, let me just, oh, let me just tell you, that was, a, that was a story, but when I first started teaching youth, it was, the only example I had, no disrespectful to Pastor Curtis, but Pastor Curtis was a man who can literally take history and put it into the Bible and make it interesting. We all know that. We've all heard his sermons. Most of us have heard his sermons, but we've heard it. He could, he, man, it was, it was amazing how he would bring it to life. And I thought like, okay, well, you know, if he can do it, I can do it. Man, let me just tell you why we were going through Genesis and, oh, some of, I'm not going to lie. Some of my most boring, some of my most worst lessons. Look at Alex smiling over there, right? <laughs> but it's true. But it's true. He's over there, but it was. It was. Why? Because I'm not a Pastor Curtis. I'm not him. No, disrespectful to, no disrespect to Pastor Curtis because he's a powerful man of God. He established our church. He established the foundation of this church. And now look, it has grown. We're in a new building. He has done amazing things. But I'm a poor copy of him. I, personally, I don't even really like history that much. I think it's fun to watch, watch it on the History Channel or something like that. But after a while, I'm like, change the channel. I get bored. But when he speaks it, it's eloquent, it's nice, it flows, it's easy, but I can't do that. Why? Because I'm a poor copy. And that's what a lot of us have to realize is that you guys will never be good as the original. You'll just be poor copies. But when we're ourselves, when we're us, when we're, when we're true, when we're genuine, when you're just being you, when you're just being me, right? We're, we're perfect. And that's what God wants to use. That's why I love the picture of the New Testament. Uh, it, it confuses a lot of people. I get a lot of questions at work because a lot of people know that or they think I'm an already ordained pastor, which I don't mind. And if God chooses to ordain me, then he ordains me. But, you know, a lot of people ask me, they're like, you know, the, Jesus kind of confuses me. And sometimes he confuses me. And I don't know, he may confuse you guys, too, because when we're reading through the New Testament, there's scriptures or uh, stories in the Bible. Literally, okay, I'll use some examples. Jesus meets a prostitute on the middle of the street, right? A bunch of people bring him, uh, bring him this prostitute. And they say, Jesus, what should we do to her? She's been sleeping around. She, you know, she, she's unfaithful, right? Custom, law, is to stone her. It's the custom. It's the law. It's the law of Moses. That's what he says. But what does Jesus do? Draws a line in the stand and says, you know, if none of you have ever sinned in your life, or have sinned right now, throw the first stone. They walk away. People, he grabs her up and he says, sin no more. He was around the way. She's like, oh my God, thank you. Right? That's, that's, that's what happens, right? John chapter four, pastor taught about it a couple Sundays ago. He meets the Samaritan woman at the well. Custom at the time, Jesus is not supposed to even talk to a woman, let alone a Samaritan, right? Why is she doing it in the middle of the day? Because she had five husbands and she was divorced. So she was looked up down upon in that day. But what happens? Jesus is like, can I have a drink? And she's like, who are you? You a man and you talking to me? I don't know you. And you a Jew? Whew. She was, what's, what's, what's you, what you doing here, right? And Jesus is like, well, I mean, I know your five husbands didn't want you, so that's why you're here now. I'm joking. <laughs> but right, he was like, you have five husbands and the, and, and, the, and the sixth man you're with now is not even your husband. 
And he, right? And he was like, girl, well, I mean, today we would think like, girl, you thirsty. We've all heard that, right? You thirsty, you need a drink of water. But the craziest thing and the funniest thing is that that's really what he says. He says, you're thirsty, but if you drink of me, you will never thirst again. I am the living water. That's what he tells her. And she runs away and she says, uh, she literally says, you know, I met the Messiah. I met the man who has told me everything, everything that I have ever done. And she was the first, um, the first, um, what is it? The first witness to the Gentile nation. But then we look at the Pharisees. And this is a question I get. That's why I brought it up. A question that I get a lot. We see Jesus merciful to them, right? We always see Jesus merciful to them. But then we see Pharisees. And literally he says to the Pharisees, he's like, all y'all right there? Y'all Pharisees right there? Like, y'all punishment is about to be worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. And when you think about it, it's like, Sodom and Gomorrah got blown up. Like, they got fire held on, down on them, right? Like, that's horrible, and it's going to be worse? And when you think about it, it's like, well, why? Why is it worse? But when you really, really look about, at it, it's, there's one sin. I mean, there's one sin. I mean, we're all sinners, right? And, you're all, and you guys are probably thinking, well, there's one sin worse than another? There's not, I mean... There's not, but one sin that Jesus really, really gets annoyed with, and we see this over and over in the scriptures, is hypocrisy, is being a hypocrite, is posting what you want people to see, it's saying what you want people to hear, or it's producing or showing or putting on a mask or putting on our church face at church and being the world out in the world. Why? Why? Why do we do it? It's because we want to be liked. It's because we always think we're weak. It's what we think is better for other people to see. But God can't use that. He can't. And Jesus can't use that. Jesus can't use pride. Jesus can't use big-headedness. Jesus can't use hypocrisy. Why? Because he wants to use the real us. He wants to use the broken us. He wants us to use the the, the messed up us, the um, nasty breath in the morning us, the, uh, you know, the people who have pimples all over our face without makeup us. He wants to use us, the real us. Why? Because when we're broken, when we're let down, when we're vulnerable, when we're available, he, his grace can fill that space. His power in us will strengthen us and he will be able to work. Like I said earlier, that's where his greatest work is done. I had a car, and it's my first car, and it was my grandpa's car. It was a, a Honda Civic, Honda Civic, and the battery always used to die in that car, and it was, AC, it was the AC. The AC never turned off. The battery always used to die, and when my dad finally figured it out, we ended up getting taken, taken up, but I don't want to focus on that. I want to focus on it dying, and you know, when, when a car dies, right, we have to pop open the hood, and then we have to get jumper cables, and we have to you know, positive to negative. But when you really think about it, a ba- you'll never see a battery with two positives, right? You'll never see a battery with two negatives. You'll never see that. A battery has to have a positive and it has to have a negative. That's what happens with us. God gives us the gifts, which is the positive. God gives us the understanding, the speaking in tongues, the singing, the understanding, the good with numbers, anything, right? That's all the good stuff. But then he gives us the thorn. He gives us the negative. He gives us the the stuff that we don't want, the stuff that we don't ask for. That's what he gives us. Why? Because if we only had positive, 
we would rely on ourselves. We would be like, oh, I did this myself. You know, I don't need God. Like, you know, I don't need him, right? We don't need him. But when we have the negative, what was the purpose of the thorn? To keep Paul from being conceited. That's what the purpose of the thorn is. So when we come to God weak, when we come to God with our deficiencies, when we come to God with our messed up, jacked up selves, when we come to with our negative, God's positive, God's grace, God can clip onto us and reduce us and give us more power than we had with, uh, without him. That's why unanswered prayers are not unmet needs. That's why God's grace fills the space. And lastly, on one of the last points that I have is you're pierced for a purpose. You are pierced for a purpose. We all know that, you know, God gets more glory when he uses weakenings. God gets more glory. God gets all the glory when he uses weakenings. I know it's not a powerful close, but I mean, hopefully today it's an encouragement. That's all I wanted to do today was encourage us. Because, you know, when I was studying for this and when I was trying to think about this, you know, I was going to, man, pastor, pastor and me been talking about this for a month and I was going to be up all month. Let me just tell you, I see what pastor has to work on every week and how Satan tries to get him. And I told him, I texted him. I was like, pastor, I see what you're going through. Like, you know, it's only been for me a month and I see what you're doing every week. Like, man, you know, I'm gonna keep you in prayer even, even a little more. Right. But Satan was beating me up all week. And he was telling me, you know, like, well, you're not a pastor. You know, you've never spoken in front of people. You're this, you're that. And the craziest thing was the Holy Spirit was like, you're preaching on this. So why, why are you letting the devil beat you up? You know, the negative that you have in your life, I'm going to put my positive on it and I'm going to multiply upon it. Yes. Right. But we're pierced for a purpose. Second Corinthians 12, 17. It says, so to keep me from becoming conceited, a thorn was given me in the flesh. Listen, if you guys become conceited, if you guys get a big head, if you guys don't have humility, God's not going to use it. He can't. He can't. That's the only reason why God couldn't use, or Jesus couldn't perform in his own hometown. In his own hometown. A lot of people read that story in his own hometown and they're thinking like, what, God can't, Jesus couldn't perform a miracle? Like what stopped him? It was because people were too proud. Literally when Jesus was teaching in the synagogue, people were going there and people were like, oh wow, this sounds good, right? They were like, oh my God, like, you know, this, this we never looked at it this way. But then a lot of time, a lot of people were like, but that's Joseph's son, he's a carpenter. Right. He, he, he was in the synagogue learning this. How, why should we listen to him? Right. He was a carpenter. So that's why Jesus can't use cockiness. That's why Jesus can't use big headedness. You see, Paul kept asking three different times, three different times. He asked God and God answered him. He said, no, Paul, I'm going to keep this in with you because one, my grace is sufficient for you. But also I'm going to keep it from getting you conceited. C.S. Lewis, we all know the great writer, we all heard quotes, but C.S. Lewis said, pride is the great sin. It's cunning and persuasive and it shows up and all of us are prone to have it occur in our lives. And that's exactly what happened in the garden. When we really think about it, that's what happened in the garden. They had everything. I mean, we hear this story all the time. They had everything in their, they want, right? 
They didn't have to work. They had food. They could just go up. Oh, I'm hungry, right? They had all the pets they wanted. I mean, I, I mean, I, me personally, I love tigers. I mean, if I was in the garden, bro, I got my tiger next to me. I got Tigger, bro. Like, come on. Like, we out here running through the woods. Like, come on, right? They had everything. But the serpent literally came up and was like, what? He gave him big headedness, right? They learned, they learned like, oh, you know, God doesn't, did he really say that? Did he really say you can't eat of the tree? And when they were convinced that God said that, what did he say? Oh, it's because he doesn't want you to be like him. So what did Adam and do? They stepped out of the protection of God and they said, I don't want to serve him no more. I want to be just like him. And that's what ultimately messed everything up. I mean, we can all say it messed everything up, right? It messed everything up. But that's why I asked the team to hand out the roses. I personally, I mean, we all know Valentine's just came up, so we've probably all seen a lot of them. But when I really look at a rose, it really reminds me of our walk with God. It reminds us, right? Our walk with God is beautiful. Our walk with God is amazing. But when you really look closely at a rose, and just to let you guys know, these do have thorns, and I ask them to keep it. But when we really look at a rose and we look at the stem, it has these thorns. And a lot of us, if we don't know anything about plants, it's like, why are the thorns there? Why are they there? Well, the thorns are there to keep predators away. The thorns are there is like when an animal comes up and bites it, it's like, whoa, I don't want that no more. And the next time another animal comes along, it's like, whoa, those have thorns. And when we look about it with us in our walk with God, God puts us those thorns in our sides to keep us from getting conceited, to keeping from the predator of conceitedness to come and biting onto us and taking us away from God's purpose, from taking God, from making us get the glory rather than giving God the glory. Amen. Amen. And it's a paradox. It really is. It, yes. it flips everything on the, on the head, but that's what all Jesus taught was. A lot of times, People who are non-Christians will be like, oh, Jesus was conservative. You know, you guys can't do this. You guys can't talk like this. You guys can't drink. You guys can't party. We can't do it. But when you really think about it, Jesus taught stuff that got him killed. Point blank, period. Jesus taught things that, were, got, that got him killed. Ultimately, that led him to the cross. Why? Because he taught, if you want to be the best, if you want to be a king, if you want to be the first, you got to be last. You got to serve. Right? I'm not bringing an earthly kingdom. I'm bringing a kingdom that my father's going to bring. Right. We all know this. If someone slaps you across the face, turn the other cheek. Right. That's what he was teaching. It's a paradox. It's a whole different thing. And a lot of us, we think like this weakness is keeping me from doing my purpose. This weakness is keeping me from praising God. This weakness over here is keeping me from not doing what I can do fully in God. But that's not true at all. This weakness, this thorn, this paradigm, this paradox, this everything in my side, everything that I think that is a weakness is actually a strength. It's a strength. Because when I'm weak, if, you, if some, we meet someone else on the street and has the same weakness, I can go talk to them. Right? I can go talk to them. I can't go talk to someone that Ryan can meet, can talk to. I can't go talk to something that Car Carla can meet. I can't because I haven't been with what she's gone through. I haven't seen and I haven't done what she's Come done. On. 
And I'm not trying to say that, you know, some weaknesses are better than other people, but we always get caught up in thinking like, my weakness can't help anyone. But your weakness makes you strong. Your, me- your weakness through Jesus. Remember, God's grace fills that space and we're pierced for a purpose. Remember that, that everything that God happens to us is for a reason. Uh, okay, relationships. I go use this as an example. Relationships, right? That relationships that we asked God, please God. You know, most toxic, we've all had toxic relationships in our lives. We all had it. We've prayed to God, oh God, please save this relationship. I know you can change them. Please God, please, 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 right? God's like, no. And, and, some, and, and when that no happens and that breakup happens or that split up happens, what? We think we're crushed. We think, oh my God, I can't be loved. Oh my God, it's, it's so hurting, Right? We really think that. We, we really do. Right? But God literally said no. Why? Because he had to show you that that relationship was broken to begin with. And when we go on and when we grow and we learn and we meet the new person and something like that happens in our, last, our next relationship, we're like, whoa, I actually learned a lot. I mean, kids, right? As we all grow up, parents give us advice. They always give us advice. We're like, I don't know, right? Like times are different. Times are different. You guys didn't have the internet back then. What do you guys do, right? Like, that, uh, I, I've used that on my parents before, too. Like, our kids are different now, right? Like, different things. But literally, I find myself saying more and more that my parents were actually right. They actually knew something, right? I know it makes them happy, right? But, <laughs> but right? <laughs> exactly. But we're pierced for a purpose. You're more effective with your thorn. You're more useful with your thorn. When you work your weakness and when you lean into the teachings of Jesus and when you lean into this paradox, like Paul, we out loud can say, I will boast more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest upon me. (laughs) This thought just popped into my head, but how many of us really do boast or are happy when bad stuff happened to us, when insults happen to us, when, right? We don't, we don't. When insults happen to us, when persecution, when people are being mean off the job, right? Like, oh, they're talking about me bad again. I know God's about to do something good, right? We don't do that, right? We're like, oh, they talking? What's good then, right? That's what a lot of us do. We rise up, right? Oh, oh got in a car accident. God, God, I got a car now, Right? Something bad happened, right? But we don't see that God's setting us up for something better, right? We don't. Sometimes we run from difficulty. I mean, not sometimes, all the time we run from difficulties. It's easier to take an easy path than it is a path that is challenging. And that's for myself, too. I mean, I literally just told you guys that I ran from Kofi for that whole season, (laughs) right? But when I'm weak... I'm strong. And that is something hard to grasp. I mean, even for me, I have to remind myself, when I'm weak, God is, I'm strong. And it's not because of my strongness. It's not because of my strength. It's because God's grace fills that space. And I know it might sound conceited. It might sound like big headed. And it was like, didn't you just warn me with this rose not to get a big head? It's the only reason I have conceited is because I have confidence in my God. I have confidence where I'm weak that he's going to go. Like Paul said, like, I'm a boast in my weakness. I'm a boast with what I'm weak in. I know God is going to make us strong. Why? Because all we got to do is submit. And all we got to do is surrender. And all we got to do is expose and trust him. Someone say, work your weakness. 